Hello, Second Bananas listeners. This is Joe. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that when we recorded this episode on cover songs, we thought we'd get one episode out of it. Turns out we were really wrong because we're going to get three episodes out of it. That's right. We did nearly a four hour record. And even after all the editing is through, I'm going to get three distinct episodes. So if the beginning and ends of these episodes feel truncated, you know, you'll understand why. But we still think they're pretty fun episodes where we talk a lot about music, about musicians and about the nature of cover songs. So I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. Please enjoy the final episode about cover songs. Welcome, everybody, to Second Bananas, the podcast about history's greatest Garfunkels, the clout behind the clout you didn't know about. Uh, my name is Joe. Hey, I'm Wes. And I'm Craig. And what we do here is we take a uh, person, place, or thing from history that stands in something's much larger shadow, and we talk about it. Uh, sometimes we joke about it. Sometimes we get real serious about it. And a lot of the time, we just go on a lot of tangents. Mostly tangents. Yeah, mostly tangents. Love those tangents. I, ho- I hope our listeners do too. Uh, so speaking of tangents, we've t- decided to do something a little different today. Normally, what we do is one of us uh, picks a subject, does some research, makes a little outline, and then runs us through it. And the two other people can kind of interject, uh, ask questions, like bring up things we think are relevant. But today, we all decided to do something a little simpler. Uh, and pick some cover songs. Uh, we each picked three of, um, I guess, our favorite cover songs. Would you guys say these are your favorite or how would you classify your picks? I'd say these are my most interesting cover song picks. Yeah. It's... like These are cover songs that I like. And I, I would say for the most part, I like these more than the originals. But I would say they might not be my favorite covers of all time, but they're, I think, the most interesting of the covers, maybe. Nice. Yeah, it's not too far off from my methodology probably just a snapshot of the covers that stand out to me um but also they're all songs that i'm interested in both the original and in the cover craig what's your next song oh we're going straight to me back to me again we'll kick it back uh, or is it you joe I think oh it's technically it's back me. to you oh right I sorry i put I put the playlist in the wrong order. That's my fault. My final song for the night is uh, a cheat. Uh, it is. I, I picked a song that the original band recorded twice and did quite a different arrangement of. And then the first version was covered. Uh, talking about Astronomy by Blue Oyster Cult uh, covered by Metallica. Um, so, yeah, I the first the first version of the song I heard was the Metallica version when I was in high school. And I was just getting into metal um, and a friend lent me this album, the garage Inc. And that was really what brought me into it. Before that I was like, yeah, Metallica are fine. But it was like hearing them do all these covers that really sort of like, let me figure out what I liked about Metallica and then build from there. Um, And astronomy was probably my favorite song on this album for a lot of reasons. The thing is, so I guess the, there's two versions of this and the one that Metallica covers is off a short, an EP called secret treaties. And um, uh, why don't I play the first version, the secret treaties version of astronomy and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. (laughs) 
man. Banger. So that was the original version. Fucking killer. Killer song. Just yeah. so good. Builds anticipation. Um, the drone in, in the background. I don't know if that's guitar or if they synth that, but it's so good. Uh, and the little like the piano at the beginning and then the first lyric is like so clock strikes 12 and moon drops burst. And you're like, those were the moon drops. The piano notes were the moon drops. Like, Shit. man. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Like, like, yes, I was exposed to the Metallica version first and <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, I still thought it was Metallica original until you, <laughs> you sent me this list. I was like, Oh shit. Blue Cult did this song. Cool. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the blue Oyster Cult version. Um, Craig, I think you referenced like Iron Maiden kind of like their songs would take you on kind of like this, like epic kind of quest through, through like a, a story almost kind of, and I kind of get, that kind of vibe from from this song as well um big time yeah great yeah. song so blue oyster cult they weren't really a super group in the sense like they weren't all like well-known musicians from other bands but they were sort of like a group that was kind of basically masterminded by their manager this guy named sandy perlman um who was definitely like again a musician in his own right but his talents were really like bringing the best musicians together and mm. making them work on these very vast projects to build. And again, like some of the other Blue Oyster Cult, like they have a lot of more hit songs that are much more like radio friendly. And then they have shit like this. Um, but he had actually written like a whole um, epic poem uh, called The Soft Doctrines of Imaginos or Imaginos, mm. um, which is sort of this whole epic about um, a guy who gets altered by aliens to guide human destiny yes you're speaking my language yeah exactly right and the whole thing is that it it's they sort of do this at the turn of the 20th century like late 1800s early 1900s and eventually the everything they do leads to the first world war and that's and there's sort of the, this main the main character is this guy named imaginos or destinova desdenova who um is this human that's been altered genetically modified or whatever by aliens yes. and all the lyrics kind of reference that and i think that song is actually him talking to his daughter or something like that i can't he wants to know where winds come from yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's funny that you guys love this version because uh sandy perlman after he he basically gave them the lyrics and sort of like the idea and he was like here you need to write in a, a song about this he didn't like what they came up with, especially this song. So so one of the things is Eric Bloom, who was the lead vocalist at the time, sang some of the lyrics wrong. <laughs> uh, like there's a couple of verses about the four winds or whatever. Um, we'll put the link in the description. But um, uh, Sandy Perlman was not really satisfied. So after Blue Oyster Cult had a few more hits. So this is like a manufactured band. Oh, 100% sort of like they had some, they had a lot of long-term members and they, they would come back and go, but Sandy was very much like the driving force behind the band. Um, and again, I'm not a blue oyster cult expert, so I'm not like digging deep on my knowledge here. But um, so when they do the second version, um, they write a whole album and the album is called Imaginos and it's much more directly like pulling from these poems and these stories that Sandy wrote. And the new version is quite a bit different. Um, it's on this album called Imaginos, and I'll just play it. Yeah, 
very different. Yeah. Quite a bit different. I don't like the they doubled up on the haze on the on the second hay with the hey hey. I don't like that as much. A lot of the phrasing is just completely different. I I do like this song. I think it is very hard to it was hard enough for me to go from Metallica to the original version and learn to appreciate that. Yeah. I think when I was first listening to them, I actually like that second Blue Oyster called version, or at least I could, I, I liked what they did with some of the arrangements, but I like, I, I didn't like the vocals as much, I think. But when I was just listening to it now, it, it sounded different to me than what I like know Blue Oyster called as. Like that almost sounded like it was Blue Oyster called trying to be Rush or something, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like they had slipped into the beginning of a different era and they were kind of like this is what we're doing now yeah yeah Yeah. so this album was sort of his sandy perlman's like big white whale it was his moby dick um and they had already stopped really making stuff that was getting played on the radio and they were kind of this imaginos album which was like huge like it was a huge endeavor he brought in so many people different lead singer they spent multiple years on this album and they didn't record it all at once, but it was like a bomb. Really? CBS didn't, didn't like it and they refused to release it. <laughs> so this album wasn't released until years later. And I think that's also part of the reason Metallica ended up covering the original. Cause that's probably the only one that they knew. I think they went with the right version. I mean, I don't think Metallica would do a good version of this, this, of the, the Imaginos version. <laughs> I, I just don't think it works. And like on the the haze in the Metallica version are just like Mwah. absolutely yeah 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 hey! it was made it was made for him for sure so yeah they they broke up and they, I think they've been back together since like even like I think recently like in the in the 2020s they announced a, a new album or something like that so they're still around wow but yeah. I kind of have questions about like. The producer who manufactured the band, his surname is Perlman, and the band is called Blue Oyster Cult. Come on. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> is that the guy who is portrayed in the SNL skit by um, Christopher Walken? Yeah, that that's yeah, that's supposed to be him. Yeah, yeah I, I know so little yeah. about Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it could yeah. be nothing. I think uh, I... I'm I'm good not to listen to the uh, the Metallica version ourselves. I think maybe we could Fair. just slip a clip in here for the listeners. Unless did you guys have like some like did you guys want to talk about the Metallica version a bit? I mean, I. I- I'm okay, but I used to love Metallica. I, Me too. Just, I think I like. I feel like we all like. I definitely had a Metallica phase in high school, and yeah. So like a lot listening to like Metallica is like yeah, it's is really nostalgic for me. So yeah, I went. Uh, Load was my first album that I got into them on. Then Kill 'Em All, or no, then not Kill 'Em. Then Garage Inc. And that was when I think someone bought me Master of Puppets. And that was the first like older Metallica. And that's the stuff I love now. And my brother, my brother was learning Harvester of Sorrow on drums. So I remember like he would play that all the fucking time on his drum kit in our parents' basement and like drive me nuts at like because they'd make him finish at 9 p.m. But I couldn't watch TV until 9 p.m. But then when I finally listened to Harvester of Sorrow, I realized I knew the entire drum bit, but nothing else about the song. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 
Um, but yeah, Metallica, I think every, almost every like 16 year old boy goes through a Metallica phase or like, you know, teenage boy goes through a Metallica phase in our age. They did. Yeah, for sure. But I almost, when I saw you put this song on, on the list, it made me almost want to put whiskey in the jar Metallica's cover of that song on the list, because I think thin Lizzy is like a criminally like underappreciated rock band that has a lot of great music that no one's heard except for boys are back in town the king's call oh man that fucking beautiful song about elvis so yeah yeah Yeah, i I can't even remember the the songs that i really like by them now but yeah i'm gonna have to go go do a thin lizzy dive after this and get some of their songs back on my spotify yeah metallica garage inc got me into a lot of other bands which is good good for good this is what you want a cover album to do yeah that was right around well, I wasn't into Metallica at that stage, um, but I was, yeah, I've always liked old, like early Metallica, anything from anything from Ride the Lightning to and Justice for All. And I was like, fuck, yeah. Yeah. Oh, back to like the epic, like, and yeah, just to stay on the Metallica kick, but like the epic, like poems, like or whatever. Like, I remember when I saw the music video for one and just being like, darkness imprisoning me, all that I get, all that I see. Yeah, I have to like learn more about this. Like, yeah, what is this about? Like, this like soldier or whatever that's just like trapped in his body. It's like this is this is messing me up, man. (laughs) Yeah, if you think about it, it's kind of like interesting level of introspection for a cultural or like a pop culture piece in that time. Yeah. Yeah, I always remember like Metallica and Tool. Like, I would watch their videos, and I would just have to like, I just have to sit there for a while after yeah, and just be like, "What your, did I just watch?" <laughs> let your mind figure it out for yeah. a while. Absolutely, I love that stuff. I think like that was the thing for me with metal was it always felt like there was a bit of a counterculture. Like that is like a, a real statement song that says a lot, uh, but it's still very like individualized and like about this one guy, but. Um, there is that weird like thing with metal where they have those like little moments of like counterculture and sort of like that definitely attracted me to them then and eventually more attracted me to like punk and stuff like that which again it doesn't really matter because it's it's, like in in a way like art is art so like people got to make their art but like yeah it's interesting to think about like one being like a radio like it was on the radio you know and people talked about it in a way like it brought it brings these things into the mainstream sometimes and they don't necessarily go anywhere, but it's interesting how that sort of like informed all of our consciousnesses too. eventually. Oh, for right? sure. I would say that I definitely had a different lens before and then after um, being exposed to some of these things mm-hmm. and just like, mm-hmm. and I, I really like the craftiness. I mean, obviously one is fairly on the nose. I'm not on the nose. It's like, that's what it is about is <laughs> very explicit, but that's what I enjoyed about a lot of metal is that you have to pay enough attention to it to get past the loudness and the like the the brash presentation and the aggressiveness and be like well they're singing about something like there's like lyrical content here and like this is all very much simulating like the chaos of war which is like right in the pocket for metal (laughs) you know like they they don't have to reach very far to get there when you think about it I, in my opinion, metal is the most 
emotional style of music there is i think that's what i love about it it's like they're pouring everything like into it you, like you yeah. just gotta guys, get it this guy's out, gotta man. get this yeah out. and that's the only way he's gonna feel better <laughs> you know so yeah yeah do your um, thing but yeah but yeah that's great. uh let's uh we're we're in the home stretch here folks we got we are two more songs and the next one is craig's choice uh craig you want to run this in my third selection was Electioneering by Radiohead. Um, well, that's the that's the original um, off of the OK Computer LP. And that album is, I think that even like Radiohead fans almost don't even consider that their album anymore. <laughs> and they've done so much and Radiohead is just massive. But also like not everyone's cup of tea, which is great. Um, I think that for me or within an album that was very much like a snapshot of the time and place kind of vibe as well. Um, this song for me was really like, I was like, Oh yeah. I'm like, fuck. This is like how we figure out how society runs is through this, like the what's being described here. And it's very just kind of like a lucid, almost like recitation of, how you would go about being a successful politician (laughs) (laughs) even when he talks about like the imf and stuff it's kind of a platitude it's kind of a cliche yeah and that's what it is it's like repeating these cliches multiple times exactly exactly and um just kind of pinning it down in that great way that tom is able to do um and they're they're really great songwriters and obviously i don't think any of that is disputed and it doesn't i don't need to go on um, a lot more about Radiohead or even that album or even this track, but it is one of my favorites on that album. And that album is completely stacked with like, like, like smash hits. And whether, when, and if, even if it's not a hit song, it's still probably a banger. You guys want to hear it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. love a song that does a little edging at the end you know (laughs) i think it's gonna end and then it keeps going yeah Yeah. Ooh, yeah i was thinking about that i love um i love it when songs go into like something different in the outro and like kind of psych you out a little bit it's delicious you're like why did you do that and you're like oh i know why you did that so that i'd think about it (laughs) so that i'd say something like that just like a politician yeah but I think the last thing that I have to say about this, um, about the Radiohead version at least, is that going back to the previous conversation about Britpop, I feel like it's like Britpop is like the on-ramp or maybe Britpop is the motorway and then the exit that you get off kind of determines, do you, are you like going through and just making radio hits or are you, are you playing to like the sappy like teen audience? or whatever and the decisions that you make within your first three albums just kind of determine what your trajectory is from that point on and radiohead after pablo honey um when this album came out it flipped everything upside down and kind of disqualified them from bit pop because like what is this the media was like we can't classify this uh, they were like you're supposed to take the off-ramp you weren't supposed to smash through the barrier and turn into a jet plane and fly away exactly (laughs) exactly thank you joe perfect (laughs) thank you for for stealing up my metaphor in such a perfect way exactly that's exactly what i was trying to say for me radiohead exactly did that and i think that's most people's impression because it just Mm kind of like broke the mold and then they're like what 
what's a mold? And they're like, are you guys still looking at that thing we <laughs> broke like a decade ago? Because we're over. Fix it. We're over here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So much innovation in, in that album. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I actually treat it like a concept album. And what's the concept? The trippy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do a little bit of mushrooms and put on the galaxy light and just fucking let it ride. <laughs> Away we go. Um, so yeah, the cover is uh we kind of talked about this at the beginning, but um yeah, so you, the cover you've chosen, what's what's uh, yeah, so um a group of musicians that call themselves Easy All Stars. I don't know a lot about them. Um, I do know that they have two full cover albums um radio dread which is a song by song cover of okay computer and then dub side of the moon which is a song by song cover of dark side of the moon by pink floyd and it's a like dub reggae um act and they just are like very accomplished and proficient musicians who are like let's do covers of the albums that we love and so that's what they do and I don't really know much else. You said they did they did um uh Pink Floyd and Radiohead. Yeah. They've also since done Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and then Michael Jackson's Thriller. Wow. I should probably check out some of the rest of their catalog. Um so their cover of that Radiohead album is entitled Radio Dread. I would say at least two, maybe three of the tracks that I almost like as much, if not more, than the originals. And they just have really strong musicians and the vocalists, they get different vocalists in depending on what the track is. It's not always kind of the same individuals. And I think it's like their selection of who is singing on each track. I think it's very clear that they know what the fuck they're doing um, in terms of whoever produced it and picked who's going to be on each arrangement, but then also just the execution of the cover. So something I really enjoy and almost like in this case, prefer to the the original. Amazing. Let's hear it. I mean, the horn section is always going to do it for me. <laughs> I fucking love horns. It's funny though, just hearing the lyric there, it did. I it's still it got, it had a bit of Tom York like in those in those vocal performances. Like, I well, they're they're fans. That's the thing. As as much as I don't know about them, what I do know is that they cover these albums because they're fans. Like, just fucking great music. Radiohead. We just we got to do this kind of thing. And yeah, so I think like there's enough homage and like tribute and trying to stay true to the original and then obviously making it like a completely unique, different genre, different piece kind of thing. Yeah. I like that they choose to cover like really different uh, albums too. Yeah. And they don't even treat them the same way. Like it'd be pretty easy. You can kind of like plug in a dub baseline and go <laughs> get through a whole album and people will be like yeah i guess that was a cover album but they just like strip it entirely down and build it back up again from nothing well it's also like you listen to the original and you're like where the how the fuck do you even cover that song right of course it would be dub you it's like the same kind of like chaotic feeling of it but it, it just it's just like in such a different like you said like stripped down to the bottom and then brought back up but it's that same level of like there's so much going on 
and it kind of fakes you out but it also feels like a big sort of like cathedral of music and noise and like again like the horns just make it great and it isn't like even the just the subtle changes in the way he sings stuff like it still sounds like the the original song but it brings its own flavor to it yeah i would encourage you just to if you have a cannabis consumption device i do after after the recording as it happens (laughs) switch gears and you know listen to a track or two sounds like a capital idea (laughs) yeah um both tom york and johnny greenwood praised um this album and specifically the toots and the maytals version of let down on radio dread Mm. yeah let down is a is a standout for sure amongst like a very strong cover album very cool Awesome. All right. Let's let's finish it off with the last one from Wes. One more. Okay. Yeah. I for my last pick, I chose the song Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Originally performed. Oh, more Britpop. Yeah. What the hidden theme. Okay. Yeah. I guess I mean, I guess I really do have a, a special place in my heart for Britpop because um I don't even think I knew Tears for Fears was British. I th- so they're Britpop. Is Duran Duran British? They must be, dude. Are you kidding me? Duran Duran. I have no idea. I have no idea if these bands are American or British. Okay, they are English, but Duran Duran is new wave. They're not Britpop. They're not Britpop. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And Tears for Fears is barely Tears for Fears is barely Britpop. Okay. Diff- a slightly different era. I'll be honest. I actually don't know a lot about Tears for Fears. My main source of knowledge from them comes from a friend that I had in elementary school who was like obsessed with them mainly because I think this this song uh, everybody wants to rule the world was featured at the end of the movie real genius starring Val Kilmer <laughs> and I, so I know uh, it is the theme song from the Dennis Miller show <laughs> oh really oh <laughs> uh, yeah uh, uh, I don't remember watching that it's bad. Uh, it's not good, but it's I just was, like that opening. Yeah, that it's opening like they play riff. like the the chorus just as he walks out. Dennis Miller. Um, yeah, so that's my main touch point um, with this song, um, and yeah, so it, it's kind of got that nostalgia factor. But I recently came across the cover by the band Lettuce, which I really like. It's like this huge uh, kind of like big jazz band, um, but they're the stuff they play is like they're almost like these anthems kind of like they get you like fired up but they're like these big jazz anthems and uh yeah they're fucking phenomenal and they have very sick cover art yes like uh elephants but with tubas and trumpets for heads (laughs) and stuff yeah 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 yeah. exactly yeah very cool stuff uh yeah but i i was recently reminded of this because i watched the nikola tesla like biopic the ethan hawk one the ethan hawk one right and and not to give too anything away but spoilers folks it's not even really spoilers but like I think they didn't know how to end this movie because like Tesla doesn't like necessarily really have like a happy ending to his life. He like kind of like loses the patent raised and like and kind of like falls into squalor and like it doesn't really have much money to his name and is unwed like and doesn't have any kids at the end of his life. So I think they were trying to like figure out a way to like end this movie and they decided just to go with like, okay, Ethan Hawke is going to sing a rendition of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And then <laughs> we're just going to kind of fade out. <laughs> Wes, man, spoiler alerts, dude. That Sorry, is it's... a very like Hollywood tries to do a David Lynch ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is open to interpretation. It's like, no, it's just dumb, but okay. It's like the movie is pretty straightforward biopic up until the end. And then they just do this like anachronistic, like Baz Luhrmann, like take on <laughs> Tesla. <laughs> but. 
this is not a bad movie, but I mean, we can play the original if we want. We no, all... I think we should play it because, uh, like, you know what? We'll just drop a clip in here. Yeah, but the the lettuce version is this smooth jazz, like slow jam version. And it's like, I don't know, it's got a bit more energy and it's almost like really sexy. But uh, I mean, the first version is kind of sexy, but this one's it's dripping. Um, Let's listen to the lettuce one. First. Okay. good yeah i yeah and it's to be honest like towards the end they stretch out some of the lyrics like a bit too much for my liking but i i really do like the intro it is is like 40 seconds longer than the original yeah they they stretched it out a bit um i think they they added a bit too much towards the end um but a great song and i really kind of like what they did with it especially at the beginning there yeah just a beautiful song i don't i don't have a lot to say about the song because it's just such a fun good song it's just great yeah yeah and neither do i actually it's just that i liked it it's just a good uh it's not even like totally different from the original but it was enough that i was just like yeah i like this version it's kind of like yeah i feel like like an icy drink in the back garden on the hammock like yeah maybe a little sunset yeah it's not far off from the vibe that i would be going for when i was picking music to listen to and like chill the fuck out this is a great closer it's a great song to put on when you like again you want to sort of get people thinking about like how they're going to make their exit you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, it's, it's true it's a good sh- it's a good shutdown close down song. it's like a it's like a it's like an end credits song uh, yeah <laughs> real, real genius would think so it do you know what it kind of evokes for me um is another um bad bad not good one all but like three of the songs are basically just like hip-hop covers uh, like one of them is like flashing lights for example the kanye west song and so they start it with like a bit of an intro and then it's like go off into like a take turns like soloing over over the rhythm after they've played out the hook then they go and like and then they bring it back i gotta check that out that's bad bad not good yeah bad bad not good it's their first album it's gonna be hard to find on spotify oh. but the uh, the remaining like five albums are easy to find on spotify of theirs but then by the time they got to the second or third BBNG two or three, they do less covers and they're doing more original pieces. And then by the fourth and fifth, they're doing like featuring artists and like full, like actual songs without just being like an open, like a free form jazz thing where they take that hook and run with it and just like jam out. Anyways, I feel like um, we're kind of coming to the end here and uh, hopefully listeners will love this journey. I sure did. Yeah. Yeah, I think this was a fun break from like a normal episode. This is something we can come back to, but it was uh, it was really great. It was fun to hear your guys' choices. I've got a bunch of new music to listen to now. So the verdict, though, before somebody puts on uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Lettuce to play us out, <laughs> who has the most 
that like musical taste. Yes. I put this in the document as our final question of the night. Who has the most dad musical taste of all three of us? You've got Blue Oyster Cart and Leonard Cohen. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. Manfred Mann's Earth Band is the, the daddest song of all time, Wes. Yeah. Man- Manfred Mann and and William Shatner. William Shatner. Mm, yeah. I mean, at this stage, Tears for Fears are kind of daddish too. Like, yeah, for sure. And Tears for Fears. Tears for Fears kind of transcend that though. because like, And Bruce Springsteen is also the ultimate dad. So I think I take the cake for <laughs> dad vibes. And you are an actual dad. You are the actual dad here. So All right. But listeners, you know, let us know. Send us an email, secondbananaspod at gmail.com uh, or get at us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at twobananaspod. Um, let us know who you think has the most dad taste. Uh, let us know which cover was your favorite, what you liked better, the originals or the covers. And uh, let us know what are some of your favorite cover songs. Um, yeah. maybe we'll talk about them in a future episode or uh, maybe we'll just talk to you because we like talking to our listeners. So love it. Give us a shout. Um, yeah. Uh, Craig West, do you have anything else you want to say before we shoot out for the night? Uh, crush it up. Uh, roll it up. <laughs> Snort it up, light, shoot light it, it up. up. Yeah, smoke awesome. it up. Take a hit. Take a hit. Yeah. Take a yeah. hit. Take a hit on me. Um, all right. Well, thank you, listeners. Uh, this has been Second Bananas, and we'll see you next month with another episode. Goodbye. Whee! Thanks, folks. Later. Later.